The record button has been pressed. So it is time for... Joel's Finding the Flow. Like real philosophical sort of discussions. You know when people get high? <laughs> it's pure Joel. Don't count your fans before they hit. But, we hit a flow in the conversation. Um, I think I'm. Open I mean, your I'm in my mind head. with. I think I'm gonna hit. Finding the flow with Joel Franklin. Today's guest is Gil Gordon. Um, Gil is a member of the fellowship. He uh, member meaning that someone that. Um, is uh, a retiree, you know, the retiree end of the this place. There's coworkers and members. Coworkers are the workers, and members are the retirees, the people, people that pay to be here. Um, and so, uh, Gil is a unique um, situation. He's he's a little younger than most here, but uh, most of that's covered by the in the conversation. Um, he, he came, uh, not because of, you know, probably the usual circumstances of the elderly. Uh, he came, um, because he had developed MS later in life. And, uh, so, so he has, uh, been at the fellowship for, for, well, that's also covered, I I think 10 years, but I had, I had a wonderful conversation with him. Um, it's very insightful, you know. I I consider Gil my friend. Um, I uh, have a very intimate time with him once a week, where we do a bath together, and I help him out. And he always tells me that, um, you know, he he, uh, I that I help make his bath that is a potentially traumatic experience into a relatively enjoyable one. Which I find to be a, a nice encouragement, but also just goes to show that I, I think we have a nice friendship. You know, I always like listening to Gil and, and talking and, uh, you know, he has a lot of good things to say. And I think I think you'll enjoy this interview with Gil Gordon. Okay, I have uh, Gil Gordon here with me. How you doing, Gil? I'm doing fine, thank you. <laughs> Gil, Gil is a, a friend of mine. He's a member of the, the fellowship community. And, um, uh, you know, just maybe having a little chat today um, to, to, you know, fill some, fill some time with your, in your ear holes. So um, uh, how are you doing, Gil? Today's Saturday, and it's, um, uh, yeah, how are you doing, Gil? Well, I'm doing fine. Maybe you'd like me to go over a little history of how I arrived there. Sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> I, I would love to. So, so Gil is, is uh, a member here at the Fellowship, and go, go take at it. All right. Well, basically, what happened was, uh, starting maybe in 1988, I started noticing strange weakenings in my body. Left leg, the foot was dropping, and every time I walked, it would slap down. Uh, My left hand was becoming weaker, and finally it reached the point that uh, I said, you know, something's not right. I had a visit from a friend who was a neurologist. I said, look, test me. He did, and he said, yep, something's not right. Uh, through Dr. Connor, we rushed me up for MRIs. The MRIs revealed I had MS. And there's three stages of disease, denial, uh, depression, and acceptance. So the first couple year or so was denial. It's not so bad. It's going to go away. But it wasn't going away. It was getting worse. Finally, in 1991, I went with a for a consultation up at Helen Hayes MS Center and met what turned out to be my lifelong brother and MS doctor who now runs the, I guess, maybe largest MS Center in the world in Manhattan. And I'm a Muslim and I'm active in a mosque and Sufi order near here. He also was very interested, became involved. And so that belonged, began a pretty much lifelong uh, association. He's my MS doctor and my beloved brother. Any case kept getting worse and worse and worse. I was living alone with my wife about a half mile down the road. We both knew about the fellowship very well. Susan had actually volunteered here a lot in the pottery. She was a professional 
Potter when I met her. Our kids went to the Waldorf School and knew plenty of kids from the fellowship. I actually volunteered here uh, 20 years ago for a while on computers. And then I reached the point where I realized it was not fair to my wife to be burdened uh, with the sole care of someone in my shape. We did have some, uh, what do you call it, AIDS come in here and there, but clearly it was not uh, a long-term solution. And plus, it was very, very likely at that point, although I was still walking and this and that, that I would reach the point I am now, which is wheelchair-bound. So I applied to come here, came here, and in a very short time, fortunately, this room became available through the Unfortunately, the death of someone, sometimes it's a release. It's not a sad thing. And anyhow, I was very lucky to get this room facing the most beautiful view one could imagine in the woods. Uh, it's amazing that um, I don't feel I need any more space than this, but of course I'm backed up at my wife living down the road about a half mile yep. with plenty of space for store any other junk I want. Yeah, these, these rooms, what, are, are like um, 12, uh, I don't know, what, 15 feet by 25 feet or something like that? You know, more, more or less. It, it's basically like a one-room apartment. You know, get everything you can in there. Gil has a bath and a, and a um, uh, you know, a, a shower. You know, I have lived in apartments about this size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, of course, I have tremendous support. My wife... She actually still works here often in the pottery and comes and does some cleanup. And, of course, it's like, you know, I have a tremendous support there. So, so you've been here quite a while. I mean, Almost almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. So, um, and, and you've deal, been dealing with MS about 25 years or so? Well, what's interesting, I was diagnosed formally in about 90. I think it was 91. I finally found my... MS doctor, brother, friend. And he said, you know, you probably had it 25 years, uh-huh. just gradually getting, you know, I was getting slightly weaker and slightly weaker until it reached the point where it was obvious that uh, something was So up. did you ever notice anything well before 91? Uh, yes, as I said, probably starting in 88. 88, so maybe, three years. Maybe 89. I started noticing, I mean, significant weakness. For instance, I started noticing that I couldn't lift my left foot properly to walk. And at first, at first I could, but then the, the foot wouldn't stay up. It would flop down. It's called the drop foot syndrome. Yeah. And then I also noticed, like once I was painting in the basement and I was holding the um, paint can in my left hand, you know, working around, and all of a sudden, I noticed that my left hand had just gone down without realizing it. So th- those were indications. And as I said, by 90, it was clear something wasn't right. And uh, finally, uh, he took me for the MRIs and everything, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and he diagnosed me. So, so um, you know, I mean, just slowing down that time, I mean... It's, it's an interesting thing because it doesn't happen all at once. It's not like a stroke. It's not like something that's all of a sudden it happens gradually and you have a lot of time to think about it. Well, there are two types. One is called recurring remission. Okay. And when that hits, there's no doubt. Yeah. It can be as bad as being quadriplegic. Yeah. But it improves. And it improves, but when you get over it, you're not quite as good as when you started. Okay. I had the other kind, which is called a chronic progressive, right. which just slowly, slowly, slowly gets worse. And as far as I know, I had only one true exacerbation. For a long time, not only my right hand, which still, thank God, is, seems to be fully functional, my right leg was also fully functional. So I could walk, you know, with a cane. Uh, basically what I do is, you know, step forward with the right leg and then drag the left up. But I could walk. Uh, in one week, the right leg went to nothing. 
mm. nothing. Um, and then my doctor said, you know, that's an exacerbation, and uh, put me in the hospital and gave me the course of steroids. I had had one once before, which almost drove me crazy. How come? Well, steroids tend to do that. Yeah. Uh, it was not like taking one pill a day. They were giving me heavy ID, IV every uh, day. Yeah. And, oh, man, was, I don't even want to talk about that. That was a terrible, terrible state. I, I, I started taking Prozac then, mm -hmm. and thank God it got me back to sort of level out. level after maybe even a week or two. Yeah. So you're saying denial, the sage of denial? Oh, yes. So, I mean, of course, there was a, a couple of years, maybe, no, six months. You know, my chiropractor said, friend said, oh, it could be something else. And mm -hmm. I actually went for a knee operation, mm -hmm. and I had already had one knee operation, and I guess it was all right, but nothing changed. <laughs> and the, uh, what do you call it, the... Um, physical therapist I was going to said, look, you're just not getting better. You should by now. So I suggest you go to a neurologist. Oh, that's nonsense. What am I going to do? There's all kinds of things he could tell you. And finally, I did, well, the friend, that friend that visited me who was a neurologist, and he told me, you know, you got MS we have to the MRIs. Um, so, you know, that's beginning of a stage of not depression yet, but uh, it's really not so bad, you know. Did, did you, like, know a lot about MS when you heard about that? Absolutely none. none. Nothing. So so did you do a lot of looking up and, like, people, yes. did people start telling you this is what you got to look forward to? And... Well, good old Hazreti Google, my sheikh, calls it. You know, there's plenty of stuff out there. And then I tried just about everything from diets to bee stings, which, by the way, was really, bee really nasty, Whew. especially on the back. Um, you know, what, What's the idea with that? Apparently, there is some efficacy towards bee stings for autoimmune disease, autoimmune diseases. Okay. And uh, so they just but, put a bee and a shake it up and oh, have it sting you or something. I went to a beekeeper up in Vermont who's an expert on this, and uh, you know, he more or less gave me a whole bunch of bees and honey, and gave me these long, long tweezers, mm -hmm. which my wife was reaching there, pick up a bee, put it on your back. And it would sting you. Yeah. And it hurt like the devil. So I would start off with eight stings a day, then say, no, no let's go to six, and two and one. Finally, I said, no, just... yeah, no more. And supposedly, it's very good for fatigue. Okay. And I said, I'll just accept the fatigue. <laughs> um, so I tried almost everything. And uh, it took a while to finally realize that it was going to get bad. Yeah. It wasn't that bad yet, yeah. but it was already much worse than when I first was diagnosed. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> at that point, I would say I sort of passed from the denial stage, mm -hmm. I guess, into depression. Yeah. Now, it's sort of interesting. How long did that take? Years? I did. It probably was a really uh, fast time. There's a certain point when it hits you yeah. that, no, you're not going to get better. Yes, you are going to get worse. And um, you don't know how far it's going to go. For instance, I met somebody at my clinic had a slight limp. Uh -huh. And he had said he had MS for 10 years already. Oh. That's all it did to him, a slight limp. So you, you probably... Like, once again, we're hopeful in that. But I was already well past the slides. Yeah. So then you just realize, you know, this is serious. You know, it might go further. And it's very depressing to realize you're not perhaps going to be able to walk. You're not going to, you know, be able to do a number of things that you used to do and enjoy. 
And all of a sudden, you're walking with a cane, not well, so you start with a walker. And you weren't doing very well with a walker. And pretty soon, you start accepting, all right, I need a scooter, I guess. And of course, being cheapo, I got the cheapest. Well, I mean, by that point, I'm thinking, when was like the first time you remember where you started needing care? Like you were losing your independence and you needed care from someone else. It's hard to say. But, I mean, I always had my wife around. You yeah. Know, so, and but you know, you get to a point where all of a sudden, you know, you can't get around where well. I drove much longer than I should have. Yeah. You and had your right foot. I had my right foot, and I would have to shift back between the uh, brake pedal and gas pedal. Uh huh. But that was already starting to give me problems. Yeah. And a very interesting, interesting, interesting incident stopped me. I uh, went to the mosque one day, and uh, they had the handicapped space, which became mine. And I was trying to pull in there, you know, pull around and getting in. And my foot, like, seized on the gas pedal. Oh, jeez. And... There were all these kids playing around there. Yeah. So for some reason, the car went like this, U-turn. Okay. And I wound up in this little garden there, uh-huh. hitting a tree or something like that. Oh, boy. But nobody was hurt. Yes. And I realized, oh, my God, I could have killed these kids. Yep. And I said, all right. Done. That's it. Done. That, that's a big one. A realization that if you're stupid enough to risk your own life, that's your right. Yeah. But it's not your right to risk the lives of other, other people. people. So I stopped that moment from driving. Now, that must have been that, like... Now, that's, that's a boom, done. Yeah. You see what I mean? That yeah. That's an incident. And, uh, and it just it, happens. Yeah, and, and I had so many incidents, close calls before which I really should have been a wake-up call, you know, enough, you know? Yep. And, uh, but that one... So, I mean, but, you know, anyway, anyone understands it. I mean, to lose independence is, is huge. That's right. And and prematurely. I mean, you were, what, 60, 70? Uh, well, I've been here almost 10 years. I'm 74. Yep. Four, I think, yeah. Four, yeah. <laughs> I, I forget. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm only 31, and right. I forget. Something. So that I came here at 64, so that must have been in my 50s, you know. Yeah. Now usually, yeah, that's it, huge. Usually it hits earlier. Usually it hits in people's 20s. The last one, lady who lived here, I don't know if you remember. Her, you mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. She had MS, you know, yep. from her 20s or something, yep. and she was in much worse shape than yep. me. I mean. I have this hand, thank God, that seems to function normally. She had nothing. Yep. Yep. I mean, you could always count your blessings, but still... And she was a wonderful person. Mm -hmm. Always cheery, always nice. I mean, I really felt... Oh, yeah. I mean, somehow... It's it's interesting, like, where you find people can find their way of life in whatever situation they might be in. And uh, um, you can always find happiness in whatever situation you're in, even though, God forbid, you know, yeah. like some worse than others. I mean, you don't even want to say, but it's also life is hard no matter what. And so um, I was also curious, like, so... I mean, you went to the fellowship, but what was the first time where you really were, your mo- your wife had to like, you know, had to help you in very significant ways? It's even hard to remember it so hard, long ago. Yeah. You know, it was, probably, it was pretty, a slow. Pretty soon, I couldn't lift my legs when I wanted to get into bed. I could sit on the bed. I could yeah. even get up from the sitting position on the bed. But the first thing is I just couldn't. You know, and I, I bought all this equipment, a, left, a leg lifter. Mm-hmm. But basically, I could not get into bed myself. Yep. Uh, and so on and so on. And how long was that before you went here? I mean, it was a long time? That it first showed those things? Before you, while you couldn't get into bed, how long did it take you before you finally gave in? I don't know. 
Well, the thing is, when you can't do it, given or not, you, you want to go to bed. You, you can't, you can't <laughs> yeah. do anything about it. You have to go to bed. Yeah. So, anyhow. Yeah. So it, it was painfully obvious. Yeah. And it also became clear we didn't know how far it was going to go. Yep. And like I keep saying today, gee, if I heard 30 years I would mm -hmm. be doing such and such, I'd say, oh, no, I'd rather die first. Well, you don't rather die first. Yeah. And either you, you are miserable or you reach the point, which I think I have, where you say, all right, look, this is it. Now, what can I do? What can I do? I mean, it's, it's obvious what I can't do, what can I do, and also what aids exist mm -hmm. that can help me do better. Sure. Like this power wheelchair I'm sitting in at the moment. Yeah, I mean, if uh, like I, I would say my first impression, I, I wouldn't even think Gil to be too impaired because I, I feel like he's, he, I don't know, he gets, he does a lot for the situation you're in, right? I mean, I, I'd say that, you know, I mean, for for all course, you know, of, of whatever, this, you know, you do quite well. And and you have a good attitude. I think it's 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 great. And we all, you know, find our ways. But, I mean, you know, it, you know we don't have to focus on this the whole time. But but it's just, it is an interesting place to come from just to, to say... And and also like like you're saying, people that had it worse, like who you mentioned before, the the previous patient with with MS that was here, she she had it worse, and she managed to she keep was, it together. She was a saint. She was a I, saint. I couldn't believe she don't forget she couldn't move her hands. She'd have to ask people walking down her board, "Would you Could turn, you turn this the page?" page I mean, this is you know incredible. Yep, but it just goes to show. I mean. Where you can find, you know, you can find... Saints. Yeah, but you can find love, you can find your yourself anywhere, right? I mean, right? You know, I mean, like, like I just, I find that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing and it's an inspiration. And it also goes to show that, you know, you're not young forever. You're not always going to be... Of course. You know, um, and, and so it just goes to show that these sort of things that we take for granted are not, you know, are, are not the things that make us who we are, per se. Yeah, because, I mean, for example, it's an interesting story of my youth. Yeah. When I got out of grad, graduate school, I was like 21 or 22, and I wanted to go out to San Francisco. You know? uh -huh. Anyhow, I, I managed to get a job out there. Interesting, with, as a program, a computer program with Southern Pacific Railroad, uh -huh. Where well, the programmers would have a bank. 70s, right? That was, no, no, no. It was 83. 83, okay. The year I was born. Oh. And <laughs> I, I remember I went out there and um, I was looking for a place to stay. It's a lot of singles in that area. And they had a lot of these rooming houses, you know, they give you a room and two meals a day, you know, and they were, they were pretty decent. I mean, not like the image you have. Of yeah. So I was looking around at them and, you know, ads in the paper and so on. And um, I went to one, and as soon as I walked in, the place was filled with old people. Uh -huh. And I still remember the reaction, me get out of here, you know. And when I tell the story, people say, well, now you're living among them. And I said, living among them? I, I am, am one, one. right. Um, you know, so I'm just saying that that's the kind of thing I once heard in a movie. Old age is the biggest surprise of life, you know, because you never think it's going to happen. You never think you're going to die. I mean, so much of the spiritual discipline, of all spiritual disciplines, to come to the grips with the fact that this life is short, and if you think it ends there, boy, you're in trouble. And uh, if you're concerned, whatever your belief, that the way you live affects what happens after, which is an eternity, um, then it puts a whole different perspective on your life. In any case, so I've always been the kind that wanted to do as much as I could myself. It often gets me into trouble and is often causes great frustration. For example, I mean, it was a big step to accept the fact that I could not wipe my behind. 
yeah. Now, I could still do it, but it was really unsanitary. Mm-hmm. And I still remember the meeting, and they said, look, you're just going to have to let us do it. That was a big shock. Yeah. Uh, at that point, I could stand, right? Yep. And I was still figuring out ways to somehow do it, you know. And it wasn't sanitary, you know, the way I did it, you know. I won't go into details. Mm-hmm. And I had to accept that. Now, that was a big, you know... Yeah, sure. You, you never think of it. That's right. Right? You never think of it. And uh, so, anyhow, I really believe that was the start of the real third stage of acceptance. So what's the acceptance? Yeah. You know, when you say, like, all right, yeah. I, I can't even wipe my own behind, all right? Yeah. But still, I have a life. Yep. Still, you have a life. And it's true. And I, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, it, it, it you know, you, it comes off of you very much that you, you have a life, you know? I mean, you can find fulfillment in what you do. And, and I, I, I mean, I understand it's so hard, and I have no idea. You know. I mean, if someone, I always say, if someone told me 30 years ago. Yeah, I know, well, you would say. I would have this young lovely yeah. wiping my behind. <laughs> I'd say, oh no, I'd rather die first. Yep. Yep. But my, my, my latest saying is, no matter how old you are, it's still now. It's still now. And, you know... <laughs> I mean, and it's it's now for anyone. I mean, life is hard for everyone. Of course. Yep. Yep. And it's it's. Do you find that it's sometimes hard to to like be sympathetic to other people's problems when they are fully young and capable? Look, it's very very hard to put oneself in another person's place, mm-hmm. and doing that is a quality called compassion. And it's a very, very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. And we could also do it in the opposite way, too, and think they have it so good, you know. Um, I see what you're saying. Yes. And be envious. And be envious. Both of which, lack of compassion and envy, are terrible, terrible traits. Yep, yep. yep. And, and so we try our best. But um, uh, so, so it just makes you think it's interesting. You know, you have to depend on people so much. Well, it was that realization that made me come here 10 years ago. Yep. And so here you have generally, you know, this place is, is unique in the fact that, that we have um, people that are not certified in a lot of areas doing the sort of job that legally certified people should be doing. Right, so you deal with people coming in and out. But doing it really, at least in part, out of a feeling of really wanting to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the, the co-workers cook all the meals here. Yeah. There's no professional dietitian nope. and no jello. <laughs> I'm not joking. So, in fact, maybe... You know, they're not as skilled as a professional dietitian, but it's made with love. It's individual. You know what I mean? That makes yeah, such exactly. a difference. See, I, I don't mean to, to, to put that down. All I, I'm trying to say is that people coming in here all the time are learning from ground zero. Like, That's right. What, what does Gil need, right? right? And so you have to teach people over and over again. Oh, my, wife, my wife calls me a control freak. <laughs> well, you, you got to be, right? Not, well, to bit. some extent you do. And again, you could not do anything and let people struggle to find what's easy. Uh-huh. And I, if I know a way is easier, I'll tell them. Some yeah, people yeah. like it, some, some people, people don't. don't. Yeah. And you find out pretty soon, okay, with this person... Let her do it just the way she wants, you know. I mean, don't say a word, you know. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let her do it. Just let, let and, her. And with this person, they say, oh, thank you for telling me. Yep. You know, you make it so much easier. It's so scary when you go into a room and then, you know. You, you don't, don't know, know what to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's interesting. So it's funny because I'd like to go back to what you were talking about, how this place runs. I mean, it, it, that everyone kind of does everything. Everyone kind of has their, their, their hands in a lot of things. 
And, but but then again, you know, it does, like you said, it brings more of the element of love, personal, you know, right. feelings. I, mean, I always say this place is heaven for, you know, old, handicapped or whatever. But it's not perfect. Well, it's, yeah, sure. It's, no, it's far from perfect. But... And, and a lot of people, of course, focus on the true drawbacks. I mean, for example, I'll give you a good example. Uh, it used to be a rule that you had to work seven days a week. Yep. Um, and in fact, there are many people who have come who have a full day off. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've heard people saying, oh, you have a day off, a half, four hours here. You know, it's ridiculous, it's absurd. So, I mean, I even wrote a letter and so on, I think. But in fact, some people here have a day off and some people don't. And I can understand, quite honestly, that to work seven days a week, which I did one summer as a a busboy in the vacation resort, uh, it's murder. I mean, you know, and... It's amazing that some people are obviously dyed-in-the-wool anthroposophists and somehow feel uh, working constantly is a good thing. Well, you know, I I don't know. I mean, the the way that I... I don't think of it in the anthroposophist way, but the way that I understand it is kind of feeling like this this is your life. You know, this is your... This is not just your job. This is like your way of life and but it's also in another sense it's like it's also it's also not it's also not it's not slavery oh no by no and the seven day week sort of has that taste about it as far as i'm concerned uh but anyhow i'm just saying yeah yeah i mean besides that i mean what what i feel is i am giving you an example of what i consider Imperfection. Not the perfect part. That when you're served by somebody who resents working seven days a week and is here because they don't have another way to support themselves, Mm -hmm. that's not a pleasant uh, person to serve. Oh, sure. I mean, it's actually, it's much easier to serve the members than it is to deal with working with other co-workers. Well, I'm, only, I'm only saying, uh, I say it's heaven, but it's not perfect. Yes. In that respect, it's not perfect. As, as in life in general. That's correct. And in fact, I mean, I gather that things are very disorganized. There's no boss. They have committees, you know, yeah. and non- all kinds of weirdnesses, which I think affect the co-workers much more than the members. Yeah. I mean, the members only indirectly, you know. And I find often the communications often really lack. One person says, oh, you've got to do this. And the other person says, oh, no, come on, don't don't do that. (laughs) But you get used to that. Um, And uh, And, and almost in a way it has its own charm to it. Exactly. Except when it's you who needed something. (laughs) Yeah, right away. (laughs) Um, I I hear you. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, the... It, like I, I was trying to say is, is that, yeah, it, to deal with coworkers is a much different situation than dealing with members. And I'm just, just to be specific for people that aren't, members are the people that are, are, are retirees or, or people that are being taken care of. Well, and the, retirees, I think, is uniformly true. Yeah. I don't know of anybody who's a member who still goes out and has a job somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a perfectly good uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. definition. Some are old, some are not so old not but so old. sick like myself. Yeah. Some are old and sick. Yeah. Some are old but not sick and don't, and live, don't live in, in the care unit, live independently. Yep. And... Uh, What's really wonderful is there's this grace that this 101-year-old lady, Doris Sachs, uh, used to give, and I was just over, you know, blown away by it when I first came. Go ahead and say it. I will. Lord, thank you for this loving place, for the hands that help, for the hearts that care, for the good we have, for the food we share, and for the chance to live and die with grace. So basically, I say it every Wednesday since yep. she knows it anymore, 
um, so the people who live out there, you know, maybe they're pretending, oh, it's not going to happen to me. I'm just going to, you know, live to 143 and then boom, go, you know. But it doesn't work that way usually. And I always tell people, you better come before you need to come. Yeah. Because if you wait till you need to come, you may not like where you come. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you plan on coming, you might choose a place that's more appropriate. Yep. Yeah, and that's an, that's another form of acceptance. And I believe I was smart enough to do that ten years ago. Yep. At that point, I didn't have to come. Yeah. But the writing was on the wall, as they say, and I am very, very happy I did. Yep. And you know, and I get to enjoy the uh, the honor to be your um, oh come on bath giver. <laughs> I, I I'd only do one bath and it's it's yours a week and I, but it's I, I I tell you it's it's a you know it's a pleasurable experience. I have a nice time talking with you. You're very that's nice. You know it's it's it and, and it's but, but it's I, also I, 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 like I think I think maybe cordial. you should ask some of the ass wipers if they have the same feeling. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, we we all have plenty of asses to wipe. I mean, I I, I definitely don't do only one a week, but uh, but. What I I try to say, my point is that um, it is an honor to be able to to help you, you know. And I I think that you know we we try to be as we find. I find it to be a a area where we can find plenty of places to be very respectful of each other um, and And respectful of our dependence and independence. I I find very much that uh, many people here really value, you know, helping the other people. Mm-hmm. I really value it. I mean, it's like all these Germans that come from here, sure, they want to go to New York City, you know. Yeah. But nonetheless, they sort of really get into it, most of them, yeah. and and sort of enjoy. Like I said, we I don't think you get hardly any problems with the care of members, Really, I mean, the, I know you got the ass wiping, like you said, and and the and the certain uh, rough chores. But as far as being like feeling like family and the love and the the joy of being to help one another, that is is rampant. The the frustration of having to to work with a lot of people with a lot of ideas and a lot of disorganization. And of I think that's the t- the probably the ho- most frustrating part of it. I but, think, as I said, go, more for the coworkers yeah. than for the members. Yeah, exactly, and and so so all I'm trying to say is that you know I think that that might be the kind of gift. The suffering is is there, but the the gift is that we can we can provide something and 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 the joy that's it's reciprocal. I mean, it Lord, brings... thank you for this loving, loving place. place. I mean, it is. Yeah, it's not perfect, yep. but it's a, you know sort of a loving place. It ain't bad. And I don't love everybody. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's like a family. I have those with whom I. Have have had issues? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, or just it's it's a ongoing thing, right? Yes, a, a few, not many, mm-hmm. and a few I've had real, real run-ins with. Yeah. Um, and I try very hard never to name names when I oh, gossip. Sure. But in most cases, you know, I either get along fine with the, with the coworkers. Or really like them, you know, and uh, you know that's of course a wonderful sort of a difference between a nursing home, uh, for instance. My parents both went to first. There, we got them a senior apartment near here. They loved it at first. But it wasn't long before they just couldn't... Couldn't manage Yeah, you know, my mother would send my father out shopping to buy all uh, these yeah. weird things. And poor guy, I mean, he, <laughs> And I would go with him, and I couldn't do too well. You know, I yeah, had yeah. to ride around in a cart. and uh, So they just couldn't manage it. And I had to force them into an assisted living. I'm so yeah. sad about that. 
Unfortunately, my mother and my wife living together was just <laughs> not possible. Clearly not possible. Yeah. And uh, luckily, it was right down the road. Yeah. I could go visit them very often. But you know, it's very, very sad. And then um, my father just got sick, went to the hospital, and died there. He never went to a yeah. nursing home. Yeah. My mother, unfortunately, she went to that Rockland Manor for a while. And mm-hmm. Really, that's the best of the places, man. <laughs> it just wasn't, you know. It wasn't. It, I certainly wouldn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, so at least I had some means of comparison. What was so sad to me, I remember in the assisted living, all right, is that the people who cared for them, they were there because they needed to be. You know what I mean? They needed that kind of work, all right? And um, it was a job. Also, uh, you know, there was tipping, and it made a difference if you tipped. And uh, it really was not pleasant. And I still remember the saddest thing. The dining room was locked, you know? And a half hour before mealtime, all these people with their walkers and wheelchairs were like, you know, lined up Lying outside. Up yeah, I mean, it was like at least there was something pleasurable coming up. And it was so sad. Yeah. When I saw that, it was so sad. Yeah. And, you know, it really hurt me. But I didn't know what to do. You know, I couldn't say come. Yeah. So... I mean, I, I, it's, so there is your comparison, you know, I mean, I, I, I really can't say for what, you know, like it is in a regular nursing home. I mean, I, I was, my dad works as a nurse as, at a nursing home really? you know, uh, uh, for seven, eight years. And I, I, I remember, I mean, I mean, a lot of people that end up in those places, you know, most of them were pretty intensive care and a lot of them didn't have much, you know, like a lot much of Much of a life. Yeah. Much of a life. And also, <clears throat> most of them were pretty severe dementia by that point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, still, it's it's just, it's a different kind of, I mean, it's hard to not feel like it's it's got a very depressing atmosphere. Whereas this feels different. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm in it, but I just, I've always felt so, I mean, your first impression of this place is like, wow. Then well, later on, you start to say, okay. You know, it's got a lot of issues. It's not perfection. It's not perfection, but still, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good place. It's a it's a pretty good and way also, of trying to make. I it work. really like having kids around. Yeah, I mean, and that means so much to me. Yeah, and it's and, and they're a pain in the neck sometimes. Sure. All kids are, but uh, you know, I just love. It. I'm now reading to them. I yeah. love. Yeah, that. and this place, you know, it's encouraged to. to I mean, it's it's part of it. That we have kids it makes a involved in, in our And it's lives, interesting, in there was this one lady that visits here a week a year. Mm-hmm. She knows she wants to come here. And this, in this case, it really is early for her. You know, I'm sure she submitted the application and says, I'm not ready. She actually comes and vacations a week here, a vacation. year here. A vacation. Yeah. Probably the locked ones. I mean, I don't know. And she said, you know, I found this place because I googled um, intergenerational communities. And you know how many came up? One. One. <laughs> she yeah. said, that's how I found this place. You know, I mean, And it makes such a difference having the kids sure. around. I mean, you know, it's just so nice. For example, I, I mean, it's a weird analogy. But Alba next door, is, you know, she's one of the people really in bad shape, stroke, and you know. and um, Lou Aventuro and Judith Aventuro, yeah, yeah. they have a dog. Mm-hmm. And once I saw yeah, them I coming saw here today. with the dog, yeah. and and Lou said to me, "Watch this," and the dog went and jumped up on Alba's bed. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's probably licking her face and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you could see, you know, that. They have these dogs that do that, bring a little joy into people's lives. Yeah. Well, kids are about a hundred times better. 
<laughs> yeah. No, I, mean, no I, 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 I bring Al, Ada to the same lady, and, and every time, you know, my Ada's my middle daughter, and she's, you know, just the smiles, you know. I mean, it's a natural attraction. It's like magnets, you know, old, older people and children, you know, they, they love to see each other. Well, I don't think the average in the world. Yeah. Young person loves to see older persons. Uh, well, little, I, little I sh- kids. I know I didn't. Uh-huh. All right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I really feel if they have a good feeling for old people, uh-huh. they have really gotten a blessing out of yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You know, just the kind of loving and, and, and normal feeling and not this kind. I mean, because there <clears throat> tends to be, I mean, I don't even think it's it's that long age it's a, it's a relatively new thing that we lock away old people you know like they're right. just a, they, in, it's in tra- like as if they're nuisance in traditional get them out of the way. traditional environments there's no question you have your parents come to live with you live with you i mean that's known yep. it's certain you don't even think otherwise yeah and we can barely handle our lives without kids you know nowadays well but uh you know but it's interesting, like you say, it's only in America that we send them to places like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But at, at least this has some, like you said, multi generational. It has a family feel, whether it's your oh, family or not. Much, much more. Yeah. I'm very, very thankful to be here. And, and also, I should mention while we're at it yeah. that um, my spiritual interests. I yes. mean, uh, more or less. We came into this area because the man who's now the sheikh of our Sufi order in mosque, um, his daughter was going to Green Meadow. Uh His wife had found out about Waldorf schools and absolutely decided she wanted their one child to be in a Waldorf school. They were living over in Piermont at the time. It's pretty far away. Mm -hmm. And she actually was working more or less to pay the tuition. She's a both of them are actually very famous artists, oh. and she was teaching sculpture at Columbia, you know, adjunct, to make enough money to, to pay the tuition, right? Um, so anyhow, uh, he then, you know, also got spiritually interested, and was, you know, he was told by the, the sheikh in Turkey to open the thing here, and where he was living was totally inappropriate for any kind of meetings. So he said, well, i got to go find a new place. He says, as long as I'm looking, I might as well look near the Waldorf School because my <laughs> daughter goes there. Why not? And he found a place right across the street. I mean, yeah. the driveway goes right into it, you know. Yeah. So that's, how, that's why we're in this area, yeah. basically because he was sending his daughter to the Waldorf School had a move to find a place suitable for meetings and found that place. So I kind of got this impression, especially even from people, local people here, that they don't even know about this place until they're there. You know? Did you know about this place before? You mean the fellowship? Yeah. I did not accept... I mean, it's kind of a Wait, wait, wait. I I realized the one thing was I found out early about the medical office. And, and had a very good experience once in my life with homeopathic medicine. I had gotten terrible um, the liver disease, hepatitis. Okay. Uh, it was really bad. And when I got done, I was pumped up with steroids, feeling terrible. Someone told me, why don't you go to this doctor who's a, what do you call it, a homeopath. Um, homeopath I and he was the real thing, old German man who had that machine that was mentioned in The Secret Life of Plants that mentions, measures your aura. Okay. I mean, it was weird. Uh, and he said, put your hand on the, you know, put uh, hand. He says, this confirms you have cortisone intoxication, he said. Okay. And he said, here, take this powder. He put it under my tongue. Uh, and he said, and, uh, you know, take these pills or whatever. And uh, don't eat, don't eat or smoke. I was a heavy smoker then. Mm-hmm. Don't eat or smoke for an hour. And I could swear in, the, in, in 15 minutes I started, you know, feeling, feeling the difference. I said, okay. You know, so 
they were, of course, going uh, to the medical office already. And I think, I forget whether she was with Dr. Scharf or Dr. Carno. At that point, Dr. Carno was pretty new here. So it was probably like 879, you know, something like that. Oh, yeah. And um, so then we started going there, too. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was a, an introduction to the place. My wife also got involved immediately with the pottery. Mm-hmm with uh, Sue Ross and Mark's mother. Okay, yeah. Uh, and, you know, then then got to know the place pretty well because they became fairly close. You know. And then, at some point, when I was diagnosed, um, she said, look, one of us has got to earn money. We still got kids in school and stuff. And you may not be able to tomorrow. So either I'm going to go get a job as a checker out or in Pathmark, or... I have to go find something serious, so I think I'm going to go to nursing school right. at, at 50 some you know, years yeah. old. And she went to RCC, you know, we researched the whole thing. I think graduated near the top of her class. I mean, she's really quite smart. She wasn't too good in practical, uh-huh, right. but in class she did great. Uh-huh. I remember at the graduation, they gave her an award, interesting love, for care of the aged. Okay. She really is extremely compassionate, feeling to old people, and likes them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she used to love Hildred. Oh yeah. And I knew uh, we, uh, I and she actually knew Hildred from the spiritual Gurdjieff work that we were in together. Fifty years ago, I don't know, forty. You know, and I never really had the. You know, and as an old person, I, you know, of course, I was polite and stuff like that. But Susan was, you know, just really feeling, I have to admit it. So yeah. we knew about the place, you know. Sort yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I can't remember what, what got us to that. But, but just just the fact that, you know, this this is a, you know, kind of, the, I, don't, I don't know what you want to call it, diamond in the rough. I mean, it's, it's an interesting area. You know, this is a suburban sprawl of, um, you know, oh, kind you, of... You mean the general the area? The general area. And, and this, this is, like you said, you got a view of the woods. You know, you, this is a relatively... But the point is, the fellowship is not typical of Rockland County. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's not typical of Rockland County. So this area could be in Montana would still be wonderful, right? You know yeah. So I, we can't judge Rockland County, especially Chestnut Ridge, uh-huh. uh, by the fellowship. I mean, we're just lucky that we're still in existence, you know, and, and tax-exempt and this and yeah. that. Um, but I don't think it's a especially wonderful geographical area mm-hmm. that the um, diverse mix of people is all that wonderful in all cases. Uh, certainly the schools around here are terrible and in crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, conflicting... Yeah, it's nationally known. That's right. Is, is, so, as far as I'm concerned, for me, it has nothing going toward <laughs> except the Sufi center, the mosque right around the corner, yeah. and this place. And this place. Which is open to everything. It seems, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like you, a uh, Muslim could feel comfortable in this situation. Well, at least this Muslim does. Yeah, at least this Muslim. The only other Muslim who came here was this fellow Barry. He, I think he left before uh-huh. you came, and he wasn't that happy. No. And, uh, you know, I really said, Barry, you know, I've done some favors for people. You know, I, I really think I can straighten it out. He, yeah. said, he wouldn't say he wanted to stay. He went off to some other nursing home yeah, yeah. that gave him meat and potatoes every meal. And he was happy with that, <laughs> I mean, which is very hard because uh, I knew him from the mosque a long time. And uh, he was this health food fanatic. I mean, fanatic. I remember once we went down to the Jersey Shore together, uh-huh. and the first thing he went to look for was the local health food store. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, that, uh, yeah, that yeah, night... Uh-huh. Um, but totally changed, you know. I mean, he used to want to go out for breakfast and have, 
you know, greasy eggs and bacon or something. I hope not bacon, but, you know, eggs and whatever. And, uh, you know, and then he insisted on driving the car, and finally, you know, Gerald said, look, we don't feel safe with you driving the car around. Yeah, that was tough. Oh, I know. (laughs) Um, So... I mean, I you know I don't want to take too much of your time. We're Go right I'm ahead. Beyond, I'm beyond. I got lots of it. I'm okay, ahead. okay. Well, it is the season of Ramadan, and I, I you know, um, I hope ho- happy holidays. I could say. Well, you see, it's different for the Sufis uh-huh. than it is for most Muslims. Okay. We love Ramadan. Yeah. For example, I love the fact that I get to get together with my brothers and sisters every night. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. It's especially long prayers. They usually last about an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half instead of 15 minutes, you know, uh-huh. the rest of the year. Uh, now, of course, I'm retired, you know, and I can sleep can, a lot and this yeah. and that, and there's plenty of people I have to get up and go to work and yeah. stuff like that. But... Um, Everyone loves it. You know? And it's a it's a four weeks, right? Uh, well, roughly from from new moon to new moon. I'm probably not probably not going to go back to bed. Here, here's a wonderful care worker coming in right now. Yes, it's, it's uh, Sean. Yeah, Hi, everyone. He's he's a style setter of the. Uh, that, that's right. Um, what was I saying? So anyhow. For the Sufis, Ramadan is just a huge blessing. Yeah, we all love it. We all feel that, we, because you know what you're denying in yourself is the most basic animal part of you, which is a very large part of you. The, the physical the part you're that about wants. The fasting? Well, I'm just saying. I'm talking about the part that's most affected by the fasting, the part that wants to eat, the body, to drink and have sex. Uh-huh. And most animals, that's about 98% of their existence. Yeah, sure. You realize that? Constantly driven. And for us, it's also a big part. So when you deny that, it's very, in one sense, painful. Your insides are saying, hey, I want food. Yeah, yeah. But there's such an uplifting feeling. Oh yeah. If what you want, okay, is to rise above the animal part of yourself, okay, and be closer to God, function from that soul, you know, the various ways to say it. And when you when it happens, it's really interesting. For instance, the Sheikh always says, when you fast, you know, you're just so much milder. And, and, you know... I mean, I know what you're talking about. Whenever I find that I am successful in keeping myself from certain things for a long period of time, I always feel good at the end. It's like it's a pleasure to feel the burn in my belly. It's a pleasure to feel the victory of one's humanness over one's animalness. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I, I that is exactly right. I mean, it, it feels like you got. I mean, I don't know if it's control, but it's just a, it's just a good feeling. It's a good feeling to feel like you have the will. You are a human and not an animal. Uh huh. And we are a lot animal. Oh yeah. We're motivated so much by animal functions, like going to the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just as an example, so it's just. It's just for those who wish to pass their life in pursuit of living closer, we say to God, I don't know how else you want to put it, living more like a human and less like an animal-driven individual than the month of fasting. And the story is told, Sufi story, that when God created the the nefs, uh, the, the individual, else uh, to translate it. He said to the nephs, Who are you and who am I? And uh-huh. the nephs said, I'm I and you are you. you, are you. <laughs> In other words, 
setting up partners. Uh-huh. We're partners in this thing. Mm-hmm. So it said that God threw him into the hell of fire for I think it was a thousand years, brought him out and said, who are you and who am I? I said, I'm me and you are you. So he threw him into the hell of ice for a thousand years and brought it out. Again he said, who are you and who am I? I'm me and you're you. Then he made him fast for 30 days and asked that again. He said, I am nothing. I am just a humble creator. (laughs) To emphasize that, you know, opposing the real animal in you does have a very strong effect. And there's all kinds of things that says on the day of judgment, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, your, your good deeds and bad deeds, the same in Judaism and Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it said that God will not allow the fasting you did to be taken from you. Mm-hmm. Those good deeds of fasting, he said, they're for me. Mm-hmm. Don't touch them. <laughs> Very yeah. interesting concept. Sure. So we're in Ramadan. How are you? How are you spending your Ramadan days? I'm so happy. The last two years, I didn't feel I was able to fast. I remember I started. I started getting blood in my urine. Mm-hmm. Somehow this year, I just felt that I would be able You're to able. do it. Yeah. And uh, we often fast a number of other times during the year, and one of them is two weeks before Ramadan, mm-hmm. and I did it. Great. Without problem. Great. And then I said to my sheikh, you know, look, I fasted that day, no problem. Please give me permission to fast. And he says, oh, well, try it, you know, but don't make a formal intention in case. And then when I overheated myself, he said, all right, you better stop fasting. I said, Baba, that that had nothing to do with fasting. Uh I stupidly sat out in the sun too long. I got overheated, which had happened to me about three weeks before. I said, it's just stupidity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so thank God it was the case. I'm back fasting. So yeah. how does it feel at the end of the day when you finally, like at, at, when the sun goes down, you then can eat, right? Yes. And what, how, do, how do you feel by that time? Does it feel great? Well, I'll tell you the truth. Since I don't smoke. Uh-huh. And I don't drink coffee very much. It's It's like nothing. It's like nothing. I always say, you know, I'm never hungry. Do you know what that means? That means that all my eating I like to call lust. Uh Lust means... Seeking bodily pleasure. Yeah, my my uh, my brother was kind. We 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 both do it. We're both gluttons. <laughs> I am too. Yeah, glutton. I am too. Yep. But we just eat it. That's right. E- eating is pleasurable. Yeah. And um, what's interesting, I, I I realized that I think yesterday I really had some hunger pa- pangs uh-huh. for about two minutes. Uh huh. Right before or just in some time during the day? day. It's interesting how it comes because it doesn't come necessarily right at the end. It just doesn't accumulate. It like comes in waves. I'm saying to me it usually never comes. Like if I had my choice, I'd eat something now. Mm -hmm. But I always say I'm never hungry, but I always feel like eating. There's a big difference, unfortunately. And I give into it. You know, you know my weight from my Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I got the same. We, I mean, a lot of people would relate. I mean, it's, it's a constant struggle. Food is a tough one. I'm saying food and sex is another tough one. Yeah. And drinking, of course, is another tough one. Drinking anything. And, yeah. I mean, you're probably I mean, pretty I mean, thirsty. I mean, water. Am I thirsty? It doesn't occur to me that I am. I have a real dry mouth, but I've been taking a medicine that causes dry mouth for years. So yeah, used to it. Sort of don't notice it. Like when fast break comes, I go, oh, give me that water. <gasps> yeah, yeah. No, no, you know. I mean, we always, what we do is we have a date and a teeny little glass of water. Uh-huh. And those who smoke have a cigarette. Uh-huh. And then we go make our prayers. And then we come back and eat yeah. You know, so it's not like we're yeah, yeah, you're like right behind a line and then boom, cut. You know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's no big deal. Yeah. And it and it's actually an important tradition 
you're supposed to break your fast right away. Uh-huh. None of this, oh, I'll do better. Okay. This is what's required. This is what he did. Yeah. And you do it too. When that, you know, when the Ezan comes announcing it's now sunset, yeah. you eat what, something. What time has that been? This time of year, the longest days of the year, it's about 8.30. 8.30. Now, it goes from maybe 8 28 to 8.32. Now, Ramadan could be any time of the year, right? It is every time of the year. Uh, yeah, because it, cause it ten, goes by the... Ten days earlier every year. Every year. Because the Muslim calendar is strictly lunar. So it's completely 12, coincidental. Twelve lunar months. Yeah. Thir- it's not 13? Twelve. And therefore, it's ten days okay. short of the oh, full yeah, 365, yeah. and therefore... It gets ten days earlier every year. Okay. So I remember that winters used to break fast at four thirty. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say. This is a coincidence that it happens to be the longest day of the year. This or longest well, time. Well, you of the know, year. I've been through. I guess only happens. <laughs> I wonder if it's been two cycles. It's thirty six years. Thirty six years. This is probably my second summer Ramadan. Yeah. At like the the, the peak first the of first one I had was in 1977. Uh-huh. So if you add 36 to that, comes out pretty close to 2013, 14, 15, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, um, it was August then. Yeah. So August was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you know it's about. This is my second summer set set, set of Ramazans. Now, again, it lasts a long time. It lasts how many years? Ten days? It lasts four four years, five years. Yeah, 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 those months. Um, And and so uh, how many more days? How many days are you into it right now? Uh, I think this is the eighth day of something like that. So you got a week. A week ago Thursday, a week ago yesterday was so, the first. So you got about three, so this three is more no, weeks? About three more weeks, yeah. All right. Well, um, you know, uh, I, I think I'm going to come come to an end here. So if there's anything else you want to mention or, or anything that comes to mind, you can say it. Or if not, just say, it, you know, anything. You've got a good what time. Can what can I say? What can you say? Um, I love to talk. <laughs> so there's no problem about that. Yeah. Um, I'm perfectly happy to answer any question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel I don't feel I have any secrets, although I'm sure there are some things I just assume not speak about. Okay. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to do this. If I can do any more, feel free to ask. Sure. Uh, as I say when I say that, Grace, I mean every word. I am very, very happy and try to be thankful every moment to be alive, to be as well as I am, to be um, at this place. And I always forget, but now and then I remember to be thankful. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Gil. My pleasure. Uh, It was my pleasure, too.